This is episode 219 with winner of the 2017 Western States Endurance Run, former Grand Canyon Rim to Rim to Rim FKT holder, and winner of this year's team division at the Trans Rockies Run, Ms. Kat Bradley. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode features one of the top U.S. ultra runners, someone who has more wins from 50K to 100 miles than I can list here, a former 800-meter specialist, Ms. Kat Bradley. Her journey to ultra marathons is unique, and she's one of the most down-to-earth runners I've spoken with after having met her just a few months ago at a running retreat in Boulder, Colorado. I can't wait to share her story with you. Now, if you want even more resources to help your running, don't miss Strength Running's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash strengthrunning. And I want to thank you for helping us reach a big milestone of more than 50,000 subscribers. Helping more runners has always been my goal, and with your help, we're making it a reality. And of course, our home base is strengthrunning.com. Since 2010, we've helped tens of thousands of runners around the world with the award-winning Strength Running blog, our free email courses on topics from strength to mental toughness to injury prevention, and the full catalog of training programs and coaching services to help you achieve your wildest ambitions as a runner at strengthrunning.com coaching. This episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. They help you analyze your body's biomarker data and give you a clear picture of what's going on inside you. And then they offer science-backed recommendations to improve any metrics that are outside of your personal optimal zones. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store at insidetracker.com/strengthrunning. We're also supported by Elemental Labs and they want to gift you a free sample pack of high-sodium electrolytes for your next big long run. Just pay 5 bucks for shipping here in the U.S. Go to drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to sign up for that free sample pack. It has four flavors and eight individual packets to help you optimize your hydration. That's drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning for your free sample pack. Joining us today is Kat Bradley. She's the former FKT, or fastest known time, record holder of the Grand Canyon Rim to Rim to Rim, winner of the 2017 Western States 100 miler, the Canyon's Endurance Run 100K winner, the Rio del Lago 100 mile winner, the 2018 Moab Red Hot 50K winner, the 2018 Quicksilver 100K winner. Wow. Let's just say she's fast over very long distances. But what I love about Kat is her journey. She's a former 800-meter specialist at UC Santa Barbara, and the 800 might as well be an entirely different sport. We're going to talk about her journey from 800-meter runner to quitting track for through-hiking the Appalachian Trail to quitting teaching to become a full-time pro runner. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Ms. Kat Bradley. Hey, Kat, thanks for being here today. Woohoo, you are so welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, I was pretty fortunate to have met you last month uh, at the Endeavor Run Retreat in Boulder. Your coach, Matt Fitzgerald, was there, and he had you come over to the team house where we were hanging out. And you had just finished the Trans Rockies Run. Like, was it that morning or the previous night? How did that work? Yeah, I uh, the previous day I'd finished it. So I, came, I finished it. 
went to the team, like there's like the award ceremony, went to the award ceremony, took like 30 minute nap in Beaver Creek and then drove home to Boulder and then showed up right and right and early. (laughs) Yeah. You showed up hungry. (laughs) Oh my God. I know. And that's the thing about these Trans Rockies is 120 miles over six days. And you like, you can't, you don't even like compute hunger. I feel like in those, you know, in those stage races, you just can't like you, your the stomach, your there's not enough volume in your stomach to eat enough calories. So like the next week after I'm just ravenous. That's just so fascinating to think about. And, you know, I was going to ask you about the trans Rockies run. This is a really interesting race. And it's funny because I think in 2009, I had some idea to do it with a friend that never panned out. But this is a six day I think 120 mile stage race and and it's all at fairly high altitude, right? Yeah, I think the low point is 9 and the high point is 13, so <laughs> the low point is 9. So yeah, it, it gets pretty low, doesn't it? <laughs> really down there. <laughs> now, before we go on, you won the team race, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and this was a, a co-ed team that you guys had. So, it it was pretty cool just to have you show up at at the camp house and we were like, oh, here's the Trans Rockies Run champion coming over to have some food with us. We're like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Kat, when you think about a race like the Trans Rockies Run, 120 miles over six days, high altitude, do you think of it as a harder type of event than, say, a 100-mile race? Is it logistically more challenging to plan? Is the training very different? I have a hard time wrapping my head around that kind of an event and you know, how to prepare for it and and how to even like, you know, just, just think about it. Yeah, totally. So I actually, um, so my coach Matt and I decided to do trans Rockies and kind of like a, a panic. I've, I've been kind of stretched thin with like these cool opportunities this summer, which didn't give me a lot, a lot of time to train. So I was racing the CCC in Europe, um, on August 27th. And we decided to do trans Rockies run as like a last ditch training effort. Um, because I'd been, you know, I, I was doing usually for a race like CCC, I have, you know, eight to 12 weeks of 80 to mile, 80 mile to hundred mile weeks, but I was doing like three months of fifties, 50 miles a week. And so I wasn't prepared and Matt and I just were like, you know, high risk, high reward. Um, <laughs> for trans Rocky. So for this one, you know, I, I didn't train specifically for it. And then this is my second time doing it. And I did not train specifically for it. Um, but you know, with that, you gotta really respect it. It's easy to go out and run as hard as you can every day in these, because it's, you know, for me, it's relatively short distances, you know, but I, um, I went into that with my partner and we were like, okay, we're just, just going to do enough to win. And going into that so undertrained, I had to be so conservative, especially with a, a big race in Europe two weeks later to the day. So, you know, it depends. If I was going to go hard, you know, I'd probably do a lot of, you know, back to back to back long runs to simulate Trans Rockies. So, like three days of like 20 miles in like a moderate effort. But for this time, you know, I just, uh, I just kind of won it. <laughs> Nothing went, this has been the worst training block I've ever had. <laughs> so, 
Well, either way, you went in there, you got the win, you had a great week of training, presumably. So it's just great to see. Um, You know, I want to go back a little bit, Kat, because when I was doing my homework for this conversation, I learned that you used to be an 800 meter specialist at UC Santa Barbara. And the 800 might as well be a whole different sport than running 120 miles over six days or a hundred mile mile ultra on the trails. You know, what made you pivot almost a complete 180 and, and go from being a mid distance runner on the track, you know, speed and power oriented to, you know, an, an all trail ultra marathoner, which is just almost a polar opposite type of sport. I mean, it, is this something that you kind of always thought you might do or was there a pivotal moment for you? No, there was totally a pivotal moment. So I, um, you know, I grew up in a really small town and I was like a big fish in a small town. Um, you know, I ran a 209 in high school and, you know, it was a huge deal and was like, I'm going to go to school and be the best in the world and blah, blah, blah. And then I get to UC Santa Barbara where I am just an average fish, you know, and that kind of shook me a little bit. So I like to, I, you know, my freshman year, I just struggled so much with burnout and comparing myself to the other athletes on the team and, you know, feeling down on myself and also not having, you know, going from a really small town to a really large college, you know, I just felt like I was floating. And then, so I, um, you know, after I was finished, I did some through hiking. So I actually through hiked the Appalachian trail and on that trail, I saw some runners and I talked to some runners and I kind of like got like merged my world. So then from the Appalachian trail, I got really into the outdoor industry, you know, totally dropped dreams of being a professional runner and then, um, got in the outdoor industry, got my foot in the door and then started meeting, you know, trail and ultra runners and they kind of introduced me to the sport. So it's kind of like a crazy natural progression. You're right. They're two totally different events, obviously, and physiologically, but mentally, you know, when you go into an 800, you know, it's going to be the most painful thing you, you do, you know, an 800 hurts. <laughs> and and um, same with like, you go into a hundred mile race, you're like, well, I guess super excited to hurt for the next, you know, 15 to 20 hours. And it's the same in that you have to go into it like so ready to manage that pain. Um, and so that, you know, it, it, for me, you know, people always say that and it's, it doesn't feel as different as you might think. You know, it's funny. I've talked to a couple ultra runners who were previously mid distance runners and almost all of them have experienced running the 800 and the 100 mile distance. And they all talk about the 800 as they put it on this pedestal of pain and difficulty <laughs> because it's so challenging. And it's also so fascinating, right? You're talking about like, you know, a 20 hour race versus a two minute race. And all these 100 mile ultra marathoners are always talking about how hard the 800 is. I just find it so funny. Well, the more 100 milers we do, the more scared we are of the 800. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, running half a mile is, is is just such a harder thing to wrap your head around because it, the intensity of it all is so much different. And that's probably the biggest difference between the two. Yeah, and there's no room for mistakes. Like in hundreds, you can make mistakes. And like to have a perfect day, you know, there's a not a whole lot of margin for error, but in 800, there's zero margin for error, you know? So like, that's the thing. It's high pressure the whole time. But when you're running a hundred, even a really competitive hundred, like 
UTMB or Western States, there are moments that you're by yourself and you're doing it by yourself in an 800. You're, there's never a moment off the gas. <laughs> I love it. You know, Kat, I've always had a little bit of a difficulty with exactly with what you did, this pivot from going from a mid-distance runner to a longer distance runner. And, you know, I always thought myself uh, as a miler in high school. And then I went to college and I was like, oh, you know, I'm actually better at the 5K and my coaches pushed me toward that. And then I graduated college and I was more, I think, competitive in the 10 mile half marathon distance. So I've had to almost continuously reinvent how I thought of myself as a runner. And that was never easy for me. So, you know, I'm curious how you psychologically grapple with that switch from being a track athlete to then going and doing these ultra long distance trail races. You know, is it is it something where, you know, you, you kind of miss the track or you th think of yourself as a track athlete on the trails? You know, how do you think about this whole thing? You know, ultimately, I just think of myself as a runner. You know, and I love doing and I love not being beholden to either the track, trail or road. And like I still do track workouts and I love them. And I still, you know, have I ran like a 243 in 2018 for the marathon. And like I'd like to lower that by quite a bit, but I still have huge trail goals. So, you know, while I still won't race on the I probably won't won't ever race on the track again. Like I still love doing it all. And, you know, I think I don't identify with any, you know, trail running. That's where I built my career, but I don't identify with one specific type of running and that, you know, and I think that's important to separate your identity from what you're doing in general. And, you know, every time I go out for a workout, it's different strengths and weaknesses and it all complements each other. And it all creates the athlete that I am. So like, instead of just trying to put myself in one box or the other, I'm just like, I'm this athlete that does all these things. And, you know, I could maybe specialize and be incredible at one, but like, then, you know, I'm not challenging myself where I fall short and I'm not, then I like, will get anxious and want to do something else. Like that's who I am. Like if I'm too focused on one thing, I just get anxious about it and want to do the other thing. So just really incorporating all of it and like taking seasons. Like I have, you, you know, usually this time of year, I really focus and hone in on leg speed. And then, then by the time like April, May comes around, I'm like so sick of the road and track. And then by the time, you know, October, November comes around, I'm like, get me off these rocky trails. So like it all, it all evens out. And I like to have a foot in each bucket. I think there's a super valuable lesson in there because I've talked to a lot of runners who are really beholden to one type of distance or even just one venue for running. You know, they're like, I would never run on the trails. I'm a road runner or I'm a marathoner. That's what I like to do. I'll never race the 5k. And I think what you were saying about how all of this running, whether you're training for an 800 meter event, whether you're training for a hundred mile event, a six day stage race, you're training for a road marathon, a trail race. I mean, there's so much variety in the sport of running, but like you said, it all complements one another. And I almost think that the, the specialization is a weakness because y there's only so much of progress you can experience if you're going after that one race week after week, month after month, year after year. But 
I love what you're doing. I love how you're going after all this variety, all these different, you know, you're doing track workouts and you're running hundred mile trail races. That's just amazing. And I think it keeps you a little bit sharper. It keeps you, uh, a more well-rounded runner. And, and I think ultimately that's going to make you a better runner. I, you know, I sure hope so. Um, and you know, another thing is like, it teaches you to cope with all different types of adversities that you see, you know, um, like when something, say if I decided to race a mile or something and I'm, uh, you know, I fell on the first 400 meters, you know, when I was just running track, something like that, I'd be like, my race is over. But, you know, coming back from these hundred mile races, like my Western States that I run, I had a really awful first, you know, few hours. And, um, you know, so it, and same vice versa, like when I did CCC this year, I ran like a 18 minute last 5k and I knew how to run a fast 5k because I've been doing fast workouts, you know, and yeah, it is, it's just, you're, you're so right. And, um, it makes me better at coping with all the different challenges that I see in, in these vastly different races. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I wasn't even thinking about the, the mental aspect of things, the psychological side of things, the fact that, you know, you know, that an 800 is so psychologically difficult, but it's so different than the type of adversity you might experience in a hundred mile race. And by running all these races on all these different surfaces, you're exposing yourself to so much different kinds of stress. And, and I think at the end of the day, that makes you you know, more resilient to stress. So no matter what these races are going to throw at you and God knows that, you know, some of these ultra races, anything can happen. You're more mentally ready for any of that adversity because you've been there, you've experienced it. You've experienced the highs and lows of almost any kind of race. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I, when something goes really wrong, like I know I've been there, (laughs) you know, and that, uh, that's comforting. It also like is annoying because you're there and you're like, not again, but Uh, it is definitely comforting and it, you know, I just had this like, really, it was my first race, big race back since 2019. Um, and I just had just a terrible day at uh, CCC, but like, you know, I'm glad for that day because I got to relearn how to cope with some of those challenges and that like, oh yeah, I forgot just how much these hurt. And you got to remind yourself before you go and perform well, one of these. So, you know. You mentioned that you closed the last 5K in 18 flat. This was at CCC? Yeah, it was actually like 1825, so not quite 18 flat. But part of it was on trail on the, with rocks and stuff. So so now I have to ask, you're training for CCC, which I believe is 100K distance, uh, mostly trail. You closed in 1825, which is sub six-minute mile pace. And you mentioned that you were doing track workouts as an ultra trail runner, which is usually a little interesting to hear. What kind of track workouts do you do as an ultra marathoner that give you, you know, you you already have the endurance. You can run 100 miles. You can do 120 over six days. What gives you the leg speed to be able to close in 1825 when you've been out there for hours? I mean, you must be exhausted. Yeah. You know what? It's like, so first of all, to answer the granular stuff. I do nothing complicated on the track. I do 300s, you know, 12 by 300 float, um, like float two, or like a 
ladder workout, you know, where I go two, four, six, eight, twelve, and then back down. I'll do that like two sets of that or something. And I, I do, you know, eight hundred meter repeats, four hundred meter repeats, like nothing compli- complicated at all. The same track workouts I've been doing my entire life or career, I should say. But um, it's so funny at the end of these long races um, because you know, often my legs feel worse and I had some pains. Like I have my knees actually at CCC. I've never had knee pain. They were killing me, but in terms of muscle soreness, something happens in the last like 15 K where, you know, you're almost like numb to how your legs feel. So, um, and you know, I was hunting at that point, you know, it's, you're so, you're out there for so long and it's so raw that it tur- it's very animalistic. It's kind of wild. And it's so funny because when I was a track athlete, I was always, I always had to go out in front. I, if I wasn't out in front and I didn't stay out in front, then I like got crushed. But in ultras, I've always been a closer. And I think part of that is because I know how to run fast still. And I'm really, really competitive. And so like in that last 20 K when I know there's, I don't have to be conservative because I'm, finishing the race and so much of ultra running strategic and I can just really let it rip. Like that's my favorite time in a race. And, you know, it feels raw and it hurts and it's, you know, it feels good and it feels good to finally run fast and open up after like a long day of, you know, running hard, but not necessarily fast. Yeah. It's almost cathartic in a certain way. You know, you're, you're doing something that you hadn't been doing all day. It was just, which is just letting it rip. And finally your body's like, yes, I know how to run fast and now's the time to do it. Exactly. And you know, you really, and maybe I'm running the races wrong because that's pretty much how I finished like all my big races that I've done well. I've just like closed, like I have the fastest last 20 at Leadville ever run. And like, even though I got second there and stuff like that, I just love to close. And I think there's something really cool about being like, there's a certain point where it ticks off and you're like, this is the time where I can be reckless. And then you cross and that like, that's the only way you can really leave it all out there. I love it. It reminds me of like, you know, in, in track races, there's always this certain point in the race where you're like, okay, I'm going to go at this point. And you know, as soon as you cross that point in the race, you're like, all right, the race strategy is out the window. I'm just going to hammer and have fun. And hopefully you can hold on. I feel like it's a little easier to hold on in these ultras when you decide to gun it than it is sometimes in the trap races. I always kick too early though, but that's always because I was out in front and running scared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I remember a lot of races like trying to start my kick like 600 meters out from the finish in a mile. And I'm like, "Mm, this wasn't a good idea. That's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about how you went pro cat because you kind of burst onto the ultra scene with a win at Western States in 2017. And I I would love to know when you started getting this idea in your head that, you know what, I might be able to be a pro runner and make a living doing this. Was there one race that made you believe or was it a process? You know, when I started, you know, I don't really do things half-ass. And when I started running, ultra running, when I really started, like I had a few years of like, just messing around and like showing up for 50 and, you know, doing like 
one 10 mile run before. But then when I, I, you know, in 2015, I uh, won the bear 100 and I knew I, I knew in my heart that I could be really good at the sport before that, but it all kind of came together that day. And I, you know, and it shouldn't have, it should, like I had every reason for it to not come together. I had just gotten, gotten over this really terrible pelvis injury, wasn't training, working a lot, like, um, all these different injuries. And I just did it under trained and like on guts. And that's kind of how I've always run. So then after the bear, like I start, you know, I slowly started coming onto the scene and people who were paying attention knew who I was, but people who weren't, you know, it seemed like I burst on, but it was a slow creep up. And, um, you know, I didn't imagine it would happen quite as overnight as it did with winning Western States in 2017. But I, you know, I saw, I had that vision and I knew just in the bottom of my heart that I could, you know, when I got into Western States, I was like, I am definitely, I'm going to win. I'm going to do everything I can to win. And that doesn't happen very often where just, you know, if I'm not running inspired, I don't run well. And it's not often that it clicks for me where I'm like, I am going to do this. But and when it does, like I just listen. Um, so yeah, it just, it, it, it was sudden, but in a lot of ways it wasn't. And I, and I just, you know, had a good, good gut feeling. Do you consider yourself someone who's really confident? Because you strike me as someone who believes in themselves and trusts their gut. You seem to trust the the little voice inside your head that that whispers that you can do things. I absolutely trust that voice, you know. But and when I haven't trusted it and I've questioned it, is when it, you know things have gone badly. But I also trust, you know, it's not. I'm confident in myself, and I, you know. I'm so lucky that I, you know, my mom is like this crazy woman who has had a crazy life and it hasn't always been easy, but she's always believed even when it's been crazy that she could do anything she wanted. And she was like a professional model and traveled all over the world. And she like accidentally instilled that in me by just like her actions. And so I've, you know, grew up with like, I can do anything, but it's really important to do what I really want to do. And so that's what I mean by running on uh, running inspired. Like I will do other races, but the ones that like in this dream of, you know, being a professional runner, I, I was like, that's what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to make a career out of this. I wanted, you know, to race competitively for a long time and be in that state. And I knew I could be good. And, um, so it's not necessarily, yeah, it's believing myself, but it's also just really believing and trusting in what I want to do, even if it sounds like totally batshit, you know, like I, you know, eight years ago when I said, I'm going to be a professional ultra runner, people were like, okay, cat, <laughs> you sure you are. <laughs> Did you get a lot of pushback when, when you made some of those goals public? I mean, I didn't make them too public just to my friends and family, but I'm like actually spending a lot of time with two of my friends that I grew up with in Hawaii. And, um, they're like, I, you know, I was always kind of known to be like a wild, a little wild child. Um, but they were one of the people that like, yep, sure you are, cat. <laughs> and now they're like, they came to Europe with me and they were like, oh my God, you're doing it. This is crazy. <laughs> so. 
That's so awesome. <laughs> what what would you say? How are you using some of that self confidence and belief in yourself today? Are you using that to go after big, intimidating races that you really want to run or be super competitive? Uh, it just seems like a superpower. You are real. You have something that a lot of runners could benefit from this this belief that you can go do things. Are you harnessing that now to continue to propel your career forward? You know, um, I absolutely, and I still have competitive dreams and competitive goals, um, and I'm going to keep working towards them. But just like I said, sometimes it takes some time to click. I haven't had that project that has just clicked for me. Um, and that's just made me burn up in running. So I'm still racing and I know there will be another project. I know there will. And I just have to listen to that gut. Um, but right now I'm actually doing a lot of stuff in um, a creative space and a, in a performing arts space that I can't really talk about, but it'll be so cool. I'm so excited for it to come out. Um, and so I'm spending, you know, I had this idea like a year ago um, in that creative and performing arts space. And I, uh, that I had that same gut feeling with that. And that's a huge reason that, you know, training, I had no intentions of this happening, but just like with COVID, I had like big goals through COVID and I was fired up about them. And then COVID happened. I, then I was injured and I lost some steam in running and I had the time to like focus on another huge part of me. Um, and then I had this idea and it just clicked. And I've just been going after that relentlessly for the last year. And finally this project got picked up a few, a few months ago, actually. And so that's, you know, and again, I'm still training. I've got some races on the calendar and I'm running, but you know, it's not taking up quite that like burning brain space that it has in the past. And again, I have no doubt in my mind that it will, because pre COVID I was there. I had that. Um, but you know, you can't force it. So I'm going to race and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to experience these races and learn, um, you know, every single time I race, I learn from it. And it's again, it's getting used to being out there again and getting used to after a few years off, getting used to like, oh, yeah, this is what it feels like to close in a race. And like, this is what it feels like to feel like you can't finish at 50k in, you know, because that happens every single time. So I'm still going to continue to do that. But I'm just gonna, you know, listen. Also, where I put my heart I'm going to listen to, you know, that, that I, I have to listen to where my gut is to put my heart somewhere. That makes sense. You're really teasing us with this performing arts project that you're talking about. You mentioned a little bit on Instagram, maybe a week or so ago. There's nothing more you can tell us. Nothing more, but that's <laughs> marketing, isn't it? <laughs> great. It's great. Now, now we have to follow you on social media and everything to make sure that we find out about this new project when it gets public. Yeah. Um, it'll, it'll be public probably or more public because there's also going to be film of filming. So there'll probably be an announcement um, either the week before Christmas or the week after New Year's. So in that time frame around the holidays. So. Well, you certainly have us all on the edge of our seats. Um, I can't wait until a couple months from now and we find out what the big reveal is. Um, but speaking of big projects, I know something that was really important to you a couple of years ago was uh, the Grand Canyon Rim to Rim to Rim. And you set the fastest known time in 2017, uh, I think in 7.52. And I also think you were the first woman to break eight hours. Um, but then I also know a year later, someone else came around and, and broke your record. Uh, and then because of the pandemic, you weren't able to 
go after it again. Is that something that you're still thinking about? Because I, I, I remember a couple, uh, at least a year or two ago, you were thinking about taking another stab at that FKT. Yeah. So I actually, um, in that time, attempted it twice, all idiotically uh, a week apart. Um, and oh my gosh, I think about going after that record again every day. And I think, you know, when the time lines up and I'm, you know, I'm still like on a journey to recover from the COVID like lapse in fitness. I took a lot of time, zero time. I took like total, I took nine weeks, one nine week section off, like zero running, zero exercise. And then I did another like six. So I'm still, you know, it takes a long time to get back, you know, into shape from that. Um, and so, but I, uh, I think about that goal every day. Um, and I, and I'm absolutely going to go for that again, if not many, many times until I get it, because that's sometimes what it takes, at least for me. Um, so the two FKT attempts, so funny, I did them within a week of each other. And I actually was on pace at, um, going down. I was got to the North Rim. I go South to North, got to the North Rim, I start descending in about, you know, a mile into that really steep descent. My shoe rips this way, like my toes bust through my shoe. And I am panic run. Like, I'm like, does anyone have any duct tape? Someone please duct tape. Um, I run back up to the rim. I like still am barely squeezing by my pace. I run a mile back up try and find duct tape, try and find duct tape. And then finally, when I couldn't, I try and run down with it. Then my whole foot bursted through the shoe. And uh, then I had to hitch a ride back with the tail between my legs. Um, And then I woke up the next day because I'm going for this big effort. And I was, I woke up and I was just so sore. Um, And I was like, "Hmm, maybe I'll give it like, I was going to go for it literally the day after. I was like, oh, 20 miles, I could probably do it. Stupid. And then I gave it like four or five days. Um, And I'm talking so sore that like I can't walk downstairs that well. Um, But still decide to go for it and just knew immediately that that effort a few days ago had taken too much out of me. Um, And that was November 2019. And then I was going to come back the following weekend, but then there is snow and a rock slide. So then, you know, that's the thing. The season to do it is not huge. Um, and then COVID, I was going to go back in 2020 and then, you know, these goals slip away when there's a lot of time, but I'll get back there. I'm sure I will. You mentioned that you think about this almost every day. What is it about this, this FKT that just makes it stay lodged in your brain? Yeah. Um, so I think there's a few things there. Um, so when I went for it the first time and like went after it relentlessly, um, first underprepared, then it kicked me in the butt. So when I first did my rim, my f- very first rim to rim to rim was my first time seeing the Grand Canyon. And I did it with, um, some friends from California and Louis Escobar, who's quite well known in the community, took me down there, um, with a, a group of people and on the way back. And he's like the whole day, like, slow down kid. Meanwhile, I have not run a 50 K or anything yet. I'm like, totally like, well, I did like a self-supported, like accidental 40 miler for, but like this was, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to finish, but it was so beautiful and I was having so much fun. And I just had one of those magical days where it never hurts, you know, that happens every great once in a while. And, um, 
on the way back, we're running along the river and he was like, you know, Kat, there's these things called fastest known times. I bet you can't get it. And, you know, that just revved me up. And so then, you know, that, that chasing that goal and him saying that changed my life because that was my first like pro goal. This is before, this is like in 2013, this is 2013. And then, you know, so I didn't get the record till 2017 and um, I had no clue what I was doing. Um, but uh, then, you know, once you go for it once and fail and then go for it twice and fail, you know, every time the goal holds more weight, you know, than when it's broken, you know, it's holds even more weight. So I, it's a really special spot to me. And like, it's really represented my growth as an athlete and, you know, coming on to the pro scene and ultra running in general. Plus I think it is a fun mix is it's like, you have to be able to run a really fast technical downhill. You have to have leg speed, but you also have to cope with the 12,000 feet of vertical gain in that. Um, it's, you know, you have to be a very well-rounded athlete to be able to to run a fast time on rim trim trim. And that's also really attractive to me. What's your approach with something like this? Because the, the 12,000 feet of elevation gain was something I was going to bring up because it just seems insane over 42 miles. I mean, you're essentially running either uphill or downhill almost the entire time. And, you know, there's also, there can be really strong sun temperature differences between the rim and down in the Canyon. How do you set a strategy for a race like that where, you know, there, you know, it's like the opposite of a, of a track race, you know, nothing is, is controlled. Everything is up in the air, it seems. And, and you really just have to tackle it all. Yeah. And the thing about the Grand Canyon too, that's important to know is like, once you're in there, you're in there, you've got to get out by yourself, no matter what. Even if your shoe breaks, even if your shoe breaks, you know, even, or like I've had someone like a pacer, one, one of my attempts, I didn't finish because my pacer was just puking and puking and puking. And, um, you know, then you can't, you know, he had to hike out of there by himself, you know, without. And so that's really difficult. But anyway, um, my training and, you know, I think I've done a really good job of knowing exactly how to train for the Grand Canyon FKT. Um, it's like marathon training. You got to do like a lot of marathon style type workouts on flat dirt roads because about 20 miles of it is flat or basically flat running because you're running from the rim. So it's like two 12 mile sections in there where it's like either tiny incline up or tiny incline down on like smooth single track. So you gotta, you know, just big aerobic workouts. Um, Second, you got to have leg speed both for that um, and also for the both for the, you know, the long stretch of flat and also the technical downhills. Um, I found that when I am doing good track workouts and good, uh, you know, leg speed specific workouts is when I um, am my best at technical downhill running. So a few ways that I do that is, you know, the classic track workouts, lots of strides, 200s, 300s, 400s. Then also I'll do like a really hard 20 mile run where, you know, it's a dirt. I do it not on trail. I do it on, um, dirt road in Colorado. There's a lot of like steep dirt roads in Boulder. 
Um, this one specifically, I was doing Gold Hill every Wednesday for about a month where I essentially warmed up for one mile, tempoed up to Gold Hill. So it's 11 mile uphill, took a second at the top to recover, and then basically ran down as reckless as I possibly could. And it's, you know, and that helped callous my quads to that stress and also um, helped, uh, you know, reinforce turnover in good form. Um, and it was, whew, those were some hard workouts. And also I was doing like semi, I was doing all of these at like 4.30 in the morning to simulate the 4am start that you have to do in the Grand Canyon to miss meal trains. So basically my schedule was, I, and I was coaching myself at this point, I was taking one day a week, totally off. So I was taking, and this is like such high stress training that on the musculoskeletal system. So I think it's super important to do that when training for the Grand Canyon. Here I am giving away all my secrets, but <laughs> this definitely worked for me. Um, and I, I came out of this effort like fitter than I ran that 243 marathon and no marathon training, like just a few months after. Um, but anyway, Monday off, Tuesday, like a 15 mile endurance effort run with some strides at the end. So nothing crazy, pretty low stress. Gold Hill, um, on, so 20 miles on Wednesday at Tempo. So that's like a workout day. Thursday, I would do like a really easy Green Mountain run, which is in Boulder, Colorado. So that is trail practice, technical downhill, but don't go too crazy. I'd take the, you know, all aerobic, take it easy on the way up. Then like work the downhill a little bit, but not enough to stress um, yourself out, just enough to practice footwork. Friday, like super easy, you know, eight to 12 mile flat run, like super easy. Um, weekend, uh, Saturday, I do like a, um, marathon type workout, you know, like one hour, easy one hour steady state or tempo, either one, or like two by, you know, 20 minute tempos in the middle of a long run or something on the Boulder res trails. And then I do like a mid distance long run, 15 miles or so on trails on technical steep trails on Sunday. And that was basically what I did. Um, with different workouts in there, but Gold Hill was a staple, you know, a couple greens a week, a staple, um, two easy days, you know, pretty classic, but like definitely Canyon focused. Sorry if that was too granular. I love it. That's what this podcast is all about going into <laughs> really, really granular nerdy detail on training. I, I really love it. So you had a lot of uh, double digit runs. You didn't do a lot of short runs. It seems like you did uh, a lot of elevation. Um, I'm actually going up to green on Saturday for a long run myself. I can't wait. Um, it's going to be hard for me no matter what, cause I, I haven't run that long in a while, but <laughs> no matter, it's going to be a blast yeah. because it's like beautiful trails up there. Uh, no, that was really fascinating. It seems like you were, you were so targeting your training to the specific nature of the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. You know, the, the, the elevation gain, the focus on the technical downhills, building that big aerobic engine that to me just makes so much sense. And, you know, it, it paid off. You <laughs> broke eight hours. You, you got the FKT in 2017. So that's just awesome to, to hear. Thanks. Um, Kat, what are you, are you training for anything right now? What's next for you? Yeah. So, um, I am actually signed up for the Havelina 100k right now. I actually, I mean, I'm actually not signed up yet. I emailed Jamil and asked if there was a spot, um, which knock, knock on countertop. Um, but, and then I'm kind of, I was going to do the JFK 50, um, 
But due to these creative projects, it might be a little bit hard for me to get to that side of the country right around then. Um, So I was kind of thinking about maybe doing the 100 mile national championship. And Matt does not know this yet. Poor Matt is like, he called Matt calls me the naughty pro because I can't can't do anything right. I can't. I'm all over the place. He has no clue what I'm doing. He's like, Kat, please just tell me your travel schedule for for God's sake. Um, But I, uh, and bless him. He's honestly, I've never had a better coach coaching relationship before. Um, and I'm so grateful for him and him putting out for me. But anyway, Brazos Bend, maybe the 100 mile national championship. Uh, and I came up with that idea yesterday. So we'll see if it lasts. <laughs> I love it. You're coming up with it on the fly. Now, I assume you'll be keeping folks surprised of your race schedule and results and adventures on Instagram. Uh, you're at Cat B Rad. But is there anywhere else that you might be updating folks? Um, you know, Instagram's mainly where I update people. I um, am hoping to get, you know, restart some type of like weekly blog because I find a lot of value in that. Um, but um, and also hopefully I will be starting my own podcast. So stay tuned on the Instagram for that. Love it. Everyone's podcasting these days. Yeah, it's fun. It's a really good excuse to talk to cool people. Yeah, that's why I did it. I get to <laughs> chat about you, about you, your training. And I never would have an excuse to, to be able to ask you those questions. <laughs> yeah. And we're all nerds here. So it's all fun. <laughs> that's right. Well, Kat, thanks so much for coming on and, and talking about your career and how it's progressed and races that you've run and races that you're getting ready for. And you've teased us with some upcoming creative projects that you have going on. I can't wait to see what you do next. Uh, I definitely encourage folks to follow you on Instagram for even more updates and just some amazing trail photos too. You put some great trail porn up. Well, thank you. That's my ultimate goal is to uh, educate the road runners on how much better trail running can be sometimes. (laughs) Yes. You have to give the people what they want. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Kat, thanks for your time. I so appreciate you and best of luck with your projects this fall and your upcoming races. Thanks so much. It was such a fun conversation. And there we have it. That is my conversation with Kat Bradley. You can connect with her on Instagram at KatBrad or check out her website, KatBrad.com. We also have links to all this great stuff and more from our discussion on strength running. And a big thanks to our sponsors today, Elemental Labs. If you have a high sweat rate, or if you're like me and you just have very salty sweat, it's important to dial in your hydration and electrolytes. Elemental Labs is offering a free sample pack so you can try out most of their flavors. It has four different flavors and eight different packets at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You only have to pay for shipping, which is $5 here in the US. Elemental Labs makes electrolytes for athletes and low-carb folks with no sugar, no artificial ingredients or colors. And lately, I feel like I've been cheating on the citrus flavor because watermelon is fast becoming my salt of choice. I've gone to running camps and handed out element salt. I give it out to my friends here in Denver. I send it as giveaway prizes to people on Instagram. And everybody loves Elemental Labs salt. So for those athletes running five or more days per week, training for a half marathon or a longer race, or you're just outside in the heat, an electrolyte replacement can help your hydration and recovery. And I'm very encouraged by the fact that 
We have Navy SEAL teams, Olympic teams, and pro athletes that have all started using elemental electrolyte supplements to improve their performance. Check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to try their sample pack and get your hydration optimized for the fall season. We're also supported by Inside Tracker, and they want to help you do what you love for life. They want you to be a successful, healthy runner for decades. Now, they were founded back in 2009 by aging genetics and biometric scientists to help you analyze your body's data so you can get a firm idea of how well you're responding to training. Understanding your body's biomarkers from stress hormones like cortisol to testosterone to vitamin D can help you figure out if you're overtraining or optimally training. But the best part is that they give you personalized optimal ranges for each of those biomarkers and a whole host of ways to improve those markers through diet, lifestyle, or exercise changes. So if you've gotten a test and one of your biomarkers is outside of the range where it should be, you'll know exactly what to do to bring that back into your personal unique range. And for a limited time, you can get 25% off any test they have at insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning. This is a big deal because these tests are admittedly not cheap. They test for a lot. Stack the odds in your favor and give yourself every advantage with a personalized blood test. Go to insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning to save 25% today. Thank you for listening to this show. You help me make it what it is today. If you get value from this podcast, help another runner discover the show by forwarding this episode to them or leaving a review in Apple Music. Until next time. 